Welcome back to Big Time Dicks, the show where we take a closer look at the laws and lawmakers fucking up your life. I'm Joanna Rothkoff, managing editor at Jezebel. Let's go around the table and all do exactly what I just did. <laughs> I'm Kelly Stout, features editor at Jezebel. I'm Katie McDonough, politics reporter at Splinter. I'm Anna Merlin. I'm the senior reporter at the Special Projects Desk. <laughs> Woo! Woo! And welcome to our very special end of year countdown the decks mega sode. We've got an incredibly special ep coming up here. I drank 150% more cups of coffee than usual. So I am psyched. What we're going to be doing is counting down our favorite dicks of the year. This list is extremely long. Mm-hmm. We'll go in. We'll go more into how we're going to do this. Then we're going to fight to the death who's the dick of the year. But first, before we do that, it's our week in weenies. Kelly, who's our first weenie? The first weenie is the Republican tax bill. Surprising nobody, this is an abomination. A little while ago, the House passed their tax bill on Friday. They have just released the tax bill. Uh, it is about five. 500- hundred pages. And they want us to vote on this thing in about an hour. At like four in the morning, three in the morning, the Senate passed their version of the tax bill. Nays are 49. The Tax Cuts and Jobs Act as amended is passed. It's horrific. Um, Essentially what it does is it ensures that the donor class has a ton of money to give the Republicans who need money when they're campaigning. Some of the highlights, lowlights, I would say, if you're of the mind that I am of, um, (laughs) if you are, say, like, I don't know, Betsy DeVos's family, you can expect to get millions of dollars, billions even, I believe, in the case of the DeVos family, tax-free to pass on to your descendants who will no doubt use that money to help starving children, help children without health insurance, which, speaking of them, this probably going to leave 13 million Americans without health insurance because a rollback of the ACA was a big part of the Republican tax bill. Thanks, Susan Collins. Yeah. Thank you, Susan Collins of Maine. I'm going to applaud you in the airport. Love you, boo It's also very like spit in the facey because it's like teachers can't write off school supplies, but like everyone can write off their private jet. Yeah, it's so annoying. So teachers previously had this exemption where they could write off $250 worth of the school supplies that they bought out of their own pockets, which is not a lot to begin with. But I guess that was just Also, teachers make, like, no money. Right. And have no budgets. And are raising our youth. And are raising our youth. (laughs) And this is even without mentioning that the tax bill also managed to stuff in basically a personhood amendment. Yeah. Like, it also managed to try to kneecap abortion rights, which at first I was like, well, that's fine because personhood never holds up in court. So they're just being stupid. And then I was like, wait, they're also packing the courts Mm -hmm. with people who are ideologically similar to them. So really, it just fucks us in every way imaginable. the the personhood thing is that now you can have— some sort of account. A 529. A fi- yeah, you can have a 529 before you're born. Which is a savings account for education. <laughs> Typically, like, most most people use it. It's sort of designed to help pay for college. Right. And it, so that begs the question, like, so nobody knows how this will actually work because it's an insane thing to do because you're giving rights to n- nothing. And but it's like, do you assign a social security number to a fetus? Like, how do you go about doing this? I mean, I think the answer is like, yes, ideally, that is what you would do. Right. In the eyes of, I don't know, Mitch McConnell, 
I Paul just, Ryan. As we inch closer to our like Mad Max hell world, I'm really glad that forced birth is becoming part of yeah. this equation. We knew so it was coming. There's more. There's more of us running around uh, in the fire dust heaps yes. of the future. Forced birth is going to be written into like every bill, like mm-hmm. oil bills, and there's going to be Energy nothing bills. to help you pay for the resultant injuries of your forced or birth. Their, or their teachers' school supplies. Yeah, so that's great. One just of the big, and this is a more straightforwardly Republican priority, but like reducing the corporate tax rate by like 15%, um, which is a permanent reduction, whereas all the other sort of like different tax breaks are temporary. Uh, this is just at a moment in which like corporate profits are already like record highs and there's no reason ever to do this, but there is certainly no reason right now at a time of like almost full employment and like any of the bullshit reasons that people say that like trickle down is important or necessary. This is the opposite of that time. It's it's basically a fucking looting of the corporate class and it is class war at a at a scale that we haven't seen in some time. So that's the other piece that is bad. Yeah, this is a terrible time to be cutting taxes. Um, because the economy is actually doing sort of okay compared to what it has been doing. And, like, if if we recall, the Bush tax cuts came during – oh, boy. I, let's and, not even get into the Bush tax cuts. Yeah. That's not what we're here to do today, but – but just, like, also, like, all of the CEOs when asked by Cohn, who was like, oh, how many of you are going to start reinvesting all that money you're saving in these tax cuts into blah, blah, blah? And they were like, no. Can I ask you all a quick question? If the tax reform bill goes through, do you plan to increase investment, uh, uh, your company's investment, capital investment, just a show of hands, the tax reform goes through? Okay. Why, why, are, why aren't the other hands up? <laughs> because when companies get more money for themselves, they hoard it in offshore accounts and don't do dick with it. And so no worker has ever benefited when their like massive employer corporation has been given a tax break. Ever. Ever. <laughs> People who receive campaign donations from those corporate entities sure do benefit, though. That's true. It still has to go through reconciliation. We'll see what happens there. Trump's got to sign it. Which who Brick knows. The next meeting of the week is Representative Blake Farenthold, who is, ugh, he's just like a, like a gross person. He, we know him in the past. I believe he's been a weenie before because he blamed three, quote, female senators from the Northeast for blocking the Senate's Obamacare appeal. Push. The fact that the Senate does not have the courage to do some of the things that every Republican in the Senate promised to do is just absolutely repugnant to me. I, I, uh, if the problem, the, the only, some of the people that are opposed to this, there are some female senators from the Northeast. If it was a guy from South Texas, I might ask him to step outside and settle this Aaron Burr style. And then Senator Susan Collins famously said of him in response to that, she was caught on a hot mic saying, I don't mean to be unkind, but he's so unattractive, it's unbelievable. Yes. No, no, no. Just the one who challenged me to do I know. Trust me. You know why he challenged me to do Because you could beat the which is such a funny burn. <laughs> this time he's a weenie because, according to Politico, he paid $84,000 in taxpayer money to settle a gender discrimination suit. 
The suit is Lauren Green. His former communications director sued him in 2014 saying that she'd been sexually harassed by him and aide Bob Howiter and that she'd been fired after complaining. This is like, he's slimy, he's gross, we already hate him. He paid tens of thousands of dollars in taxpayer money to settle this suit, which is a special kind of slimy. But he's also taxpayer just— Taxpayer money. It's taxpayer money. The so, people paid for this. That's public money, baby. But he really is just like another drop in the bucket of like the 50,000 similar stories we've been writing about other serial abusers, serial predators. Um, the difference here is that he paid $84,000 of taxpayer money. Wait, Joanna, can you also tell us what his other claim to fame is? Do you know what I'm referring to? No. The website, blowme.org, the domain of which he used to own. I think he doesn't own it anymore. It's also worth noting that every story about Blake Farenthold at some point includes this famously creepy photo of him with two women, uh, and he's wearing, like, ducky this pajamas. Ducky <laughs> it's, it's just, like, it's really, like, you look at that photo and you're like, this is foreshadowing. Like, we knew. It's we not knew even foreshadowing. Along. It's just showing us what's happening in that picture. <laughs> it's like, yeah, we see. Yeah. So if you were going to pick someone who misappropriated taxpayer money to cover up being a sexual harasser. Right. Is this weenie? De- is this, decent guess. Is this weenie slot deserved? Definitely. Is it surprising? Not no. at all. Our next Weenie of the Week, Um, this is more a concept than it is a person. This is um, Donald Trump's tweets about the FBI. Over the weekend, uh, we had a really big weekend um, because— The four of us. Yeah, the four of us all got together. (laughs) Um, No, we, Americans, we had a big weekend um, because uh, Michael Flynn basically turned himself in. He said, okay, I'll cooperate with the FBI investigation, the probe into potential Russian collusion to tip the election in favor of Donald Trump. Um, He said he would cooperate with the FBI, much to Donald Trump's dismay. Earlier today, the president sending out this slam of his own federal investigative agency, writing, quote, after years of Comey with a phony and dishonest Clinton investigation and more running the FBI, its reputation is in tatters, worst in history. But fear not, we will bring it back to greatness. So Trump, in the midst of his temper tantrum about the FBI, also found time to tweet something that sounded like a really straightforward confession of obstruction. He wrote, I had to fire General Flynn because he lied to the vice president and the FBI. Which would mean that he fired Michael Flynn and then told then-FBI Director James Comey to go easy on him in an investigation, which is obstruction. So as a attempt to save face or save the game, Trump's personal lawyer then said that he authored that tweet uh, and refused to say whether or not Trump had reviewed it before it was sent out on his Twitter account. At 3 a.m. At 3 a.m. And then he said in an email to CNN, he said, enough already. I don't feed the haters. That that was Trump's lawyer's response to (laughs) did the president review. I, I, I actually don't think that we talk about this enough, that at least one person besides Donald Trump, Dan Scavino, his whatever his what tweeter. communication his tweeter <laughs> so has access to a twitter account that has the ability to create international incidents to plummet the stock market that like this unelected group of people have access to this tool that creates insane amounts of chaos and in this instance might actually feed into an fbi inquiry. I just also like don't like this ongoing FBI stuff because then it makes people blog about like Comey being like Mm. a cool diva who like knows how to 
Yeah. Like a lot yeah, of shitty people have gotten like really pumped up. And because I'm like, no. I've gotten to sit on the shoulders of Trump being such like a dweeb. Yeah. So evil, also like Comey's not all these tweets about Comey being like, mm, he's so hot. Enough. Oh, I know. Let's not sexualize like this bureaucrat who's doing a so-so job. Also, the FBI will it's, never have a moral high ground. The yeah, FBI, exactly. as an organization that tried to get Martin Luther King to commit suicide, <laughs> yeah. will never have a moral high ground. And the idea that like James Comey, who like was very clearly trying to tip the elections away from Hillary Clinton, is now suddenly like whatever, some sort of like independent freedom fighter who keeps tweeting Bible verses like, fuck that. It is like we are forgetting history. Yeah, Comey is not hot and the FBI is bad, but for reasons (laughs) that are different than the ones that Trump tweets about. Exactly. Now it's time for our official Biggest Dicks of 2017 countdown and ultimate fight to the death. At the end of this segment, we're going to know who the biggest dick of the year is, or we're going to have a couple options that we can all choose from in our homes. Okay? Also, the way we're going to do this, because we have so many contenders, too many good contenders, we've broken these down into several concise categories, and we're going to go through the weenies in them. Very quickly, we're all going to present our contenders. And then at the end, we'll do one of our favorite things to do, a dick cage match. Okay? The first category is racist dick of the year. I mean, everyone who we're going to present is racist. It's by virtue of their affiliation, they're racist. Yeah, it's amazing actually how many racists and outright fascists and Nazis we have to consider this year. Um, Some of our contenders would be Richard Spencer, who managed to turn his... Uh, job as, like, a dusty, faux academic racist into a real, like, full-time paying gig this year and in the process is trying really hard to move the American political process towards uh, one in which, you know, open Nazism is, like, okay and wouldn't be, you know. And he's doing an amazing job of it. Yeah, thanks to a whole host of profiles that, you know, praised him for having a haircut and a chin you know, and a somewhat fitting suit. So great job to everyone who uh, did the very real concrete work of normalizing him. Uh, That's great. So congratulations to everyone. And also in the racist category, and this this might be controversial, uh, former Trump defense advisor Sebastian Gorka, who, of course, has been accused of belonging to a Nazi-affiliated group in his parents' native Hungary, which he has denied. And he has basically claimed that he just likes wearing the uniform, which is a whole other set of things. But uh, even <laughs> even if we're willing to even if we're willing to say that he is definitely not part of a Nazi affiliated group, we can point to um, the way that Sebastian Gorka talks about Islam. Mohammed was a military leader. The Quran, the 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 Hadith, the 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 the, the, uh, the, the historic stories that are recounted in Islamic history uh, talk of whole tribes being decimated, not just infidels, but Muslims who disagreed with Muhammad, Jewish tribes also being decimated. So this is part and parcel of a history that the Salafists, the jihadists, use to justify their right. violence because their argument is the caliphate 
the theocratic empire of Islam must span the whole world and uh, infidels are in the way of that empire being recreated. Perhaps he belongs in our racistic category. I believe he does. Yeah, I, <laughs> I, 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 Me I too. Agree. <laughs> and if you need further proof, he actually did what he does to such a degree that he was hired by Fox News. So Right, he did his job so well <laughs> that he was the honored. Award. Yeah, yeah, really. The, the, the ultimate man. racist post. <laughs> I would like to submit humbly, uh, I would like to submit John Kelly, current chief of staff, former head of Homeland Security, and Jeff Sessions, our current attorney general, for being racist in a variety of ways. I would like to highlight specifically the ways in which they have been Deeply xenophobic and bigoted against immigrants in this country. Jeff Sessions, longstanding bigot in this regard. But John Kelly really getting an opportunity to kind of shine and show his colors to the country that maybe didn't know them so well before. (laughs) Um, The kind of the grown-up in the room narrative around John Mm. Kelly when he's actually just terrorizing immigrant communities across this country. Jeff Sessions, I think, is a more familiar breed at this point, like just his presence in the Senate for so long really was like the most kind of cartoonish kind of bigotry that you can ask for. And now he is given the highest like law enforcement position that we have to offer someone in the country. And he has used it to try to resurrect the drug war and like lead to, again, a kind of almost militant level of crackdown on immigrants um, that he tries to recruit the police into, which they're often more than happy to do. And he's not even, like, attempting to hide it. He just got into office and he was like, okay, here are, like, the racist dog whistle policies that I can pass. He's been moving pretty quickly. Fairly quickly. Let's move right along to another category full of bigotry, the hate the poor category. Who do we have here? I I think just (laughs) by way of just a coincidence, Katie is presenting all of the ones in this category. Hello, everybody, and <laughs> welcome to Hate the Poor with Katie McDonough. So I listened to that. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, I would too. Thank you. Um, it is a stiff competition in this current Congress, and uh, frankly, across state legislatures across the country. But we wanted to just give specific and uh, special shout out to Mitch McConnell um, and Paul Ryan, the respective leaders of their respective congressional bodies, for really taking the lead in all of the f- efforts, both failed and so far potentially successful with the tax bill of upward massive redistribution uh, to wealthy people and like basic theft from poor people, whether it's healthcare or as we're turning to what will be inevitable cuts to the social safety net in food assistance, um, things like the CHIP, which is a healthcare program specifically for children, which Orrin Hatch for some reason thinks like need to develop like more resilience to get things for themselves because he called them this weekend people like among the people, people who, who won't, help won't help themselves. And it's I just so want to say <laughs> toddlers seven-year-olds get it together but like you know it is it's we're all joking and and having a good laugh but the things that are being done um by this congress and specifically by mitch mcconnell and paul ryan um are, are staggering and the ways in which paul ryan too even just a few years ago was being taken seriously by the political press as someone a republican who was concerning himself with the plight of the poor It's laughable right now to look at what they have done given power and where their priorities so clearly have been, but that we're seeing it in the kind of its most grotesque and pure form. So take away um, the insurance from the kids. Fuck off both of you forever. (laughs) Work harder like the kids in Ivanka's (laughs) factory. Just kidding. 
And so this is, I think, a bit of like a maybe a subcategory or a hybrid category because they're largely going along with the priorities set by Paul Ryan and Mitch McConnell, but I think have been like branded differently by, again, the political press, uh, which is like the uh, anti-Trump resistance crew within the Republican Party, specifically shout out John McCain and Jeff Flake, who for reasons that are like just sincerely baffling to me, like continue to be regarded as some kind of like a resisting force or like an obstructionist force uh, in Congress against like the president's deranged priorities. Um, when they have voted with him almost, I think it's above 90% of the time and have like issued a couple of like maybe meaty sound bites being like, this is crazy to me. They really are indicative of like the Republican stance that like people are against Trump's style, but they're not against Trump's substance. Yeah. They're like, oh, we're fancy and we're smart and we're used to being we're in the statesmen. Senate. We're statesmen. So we would never tweet. We would never speak about a woman this way, but we would legislate against a woman exactly as he wants to. This is also, though, a really particular failure of political journalism that John McCain was allowed to present himself this way for as long as he has been. And it was considered like a really smart take to divide the Republicans into these, like, minorly different subcategories. Like, this is, this is like, the Mark Halperin school of political journalism, which is presenting the situation as much more complicated than it is uh, presenting the Republican Party as a shifting alliance of warring factions. And really, like, they, you know, they're all on the same shit. Like, come on. They all come together and vote the same way. Yeah, it yeah. doesn't—it's really— It's almost like Mark Halperin is also on that same shit. Anyway, looking forward to hearing from Meghan McCain about why that's wrong. <laughs> looking forward to Meghan McQueen, McCain's angry tweets on the subject. Yeah. Do not tweet at my father that way. <laughs> Moving on to our next category. We are really zooming along, but we have several categories to go. It is fundamentally bad at their job category. Okay, so an obvious contender for this list is Sarah Huckabee Sanders, um, the White House press secretary, who every time she gets up there— to lecture us in her little sweater sets, she reminds us all, um, as our colleague Kelly Faircloth put it, of like a popular girl at a Georgia high school being like, sorry, but there just isn't room for everyone in the prom limo, uh, which I thought was a really good line on Kelly Faircloth's part. Shout Kelly out. Faircloth is full of good lines. She yeah. really is. This one's an especially fitting one, I feel. Every time I look at Sarah Huckabee Sanders now, I think of that line. Um, she's, like, entertaining in how hateful she is. She's always, like, condescendingly telling April Ryan what's what. Twitter, this back and forth Twitter with the president. Sorry, April, I'm going to keep moving. I understand, but this is a hot that. story. But does the president regret? I'm sure that does one of his colleagues will happily ask for a Does the president regret this tweet? I mean, he came back twice yesterday. April, I'm starting to regret calling on you first. But 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 yeah, I wonder what her fixation on April Ryan is. I couldn't Can't possibly imagine. guess. Maybe it's because she's racist, which she <laughs> proves time and time again, like the time after the Las Vegas shooting. Um, when she said, if you look uh, to Chicago, where you had over 4,000 victims of gun-related crimes last year, they have the strictest gun laws in the country. That certainly hasn't helped there. Which is like a very clear reference to the myth that like gun violence is not the result of like poverty and access to guns, but like black people somehow being like more violent than white people, which has been like a conservative sort of like dog whistle for a long time. And she really brought that out of the dog whistle and just straight up said it behind the podium of the White House briefing room. I mean, it's worth pointing out, too, that she's fundamentally bad at her job because her statements are so outrageous that they like 
draw attention yeah, they create, away. Yeah. stories. Right. They create stories. They draw attention away from what she's supposed to be trying to do, which is, like, promote Trump policies. She gets into these, like, ridiculous arguments that, like, get extended over three and four days of a news cycle. Like, it just—I don't, I don't know. Although, to be like, fair, she, let me just, like, say— Part of the Trump administration strategy, like like uh, PR strategy, is to is to light so many fires that you can't put like every journalist will be trying to cover every fire, so True. every fire will be covered worse. True, Great and point. she does succeed in doing that. Who like, else? Remember when she was like, maybe Comey should be investigated. Also, just like any <laughs> person <know>. who <laughs> wants their job to be being the mouthpiece for like this like malicious and incompetent administration. Really bad. You're just like a bad person. Bad. That's not a job anybody has to take or needs. So definitely bad. <laughs> okay, moving on to our next one, Betsy DeVos. I'm a little bit like uh, on the fence about including her and in fundamentally bad at their job because she uh, her education department has managed to pass so many horrible things. However, I do believe that Betsy DeVos does know what she's doing. She's just like listening to Jeff Sessions and Donald Trump and is like, okay, okay. So she revoked Obama-era protections for trans students. Um, she also rescinded 72 guidance documents that clarify rights of disabled students. She also rescinded Obama air protections for sexual assault survivors, not her personally, but her department. And then also she, for the Halloween festivities at the White House, dressed up as Miss Frizzle. How dare she? Also, she has a house that looks like a cotton ball filled with holes um, <laughs> or some, or like a weird shell. That Is this really the one that you said had too many windows? It really flares up my trypophobia. Here's a picture. <laughs> yeah, I can see why. Um, and she also said that, peop- that teachers need guns in the classroom because of bear. I rest my case. I find <laughs> Wait, her to be stupid. Bear? Yeah, bear. Yeah, she said bears. You remember? Not bears, but bear, like one bear. No, like bear, the species. Oh, okay. Is that the plural of bear? No. No, I'm just—I was just talking funny. <laughs> Sorry, I don't want to nitpick. That's not what we're here to do. It's also—Betsy <laughs> oh, uh, DeVos is as bad as she is. She could also, like, even be doing worse if the education department wasn't sort of, like, weirdly clashing with Trump, where she has all these other priorities about charter schools and school choice right, and things that would be even. fucking disastrous yeah. if she managed to get them passed. And she cannot— which, thank God, but it's, it's again, one of those things where e- when even – when Trump administration members even do a fraction of what they're trying to do. Yeah, she's an, also an idiot. She also disaster. called HBCUs, like, um, examples of school choice, like pioneers of school right. choice, historic, historically black colleges and universities. And she's also, like, fucking dumb. the Secretary of Education's actual job is to make education, like, specifically public education, stronger and more accessible in this country – and her legacy of what she did in Michigan um, is, like, really bad. And that's what she wants to do nationally. So even if she were good at her job, she'd be really bad at her job. <laughs> okay, next one. It's Ivanka. She's so bad at her job. So her job is, like— What even is her job? She's, like, senior She's White House advisor. It's, no, like, special, special assistant, special to, the assistant. to the president yes. of the United States' dad. Which, like, yeah. I was also special assistant to my dad when I was uh-huh. four. And he would let me, like, hold a pen. And I would, like, hand him the pen when he needed it. She also, like, the other day she said that she um, has no—she feels that she has no obligation to, like, influence her dad's policy and moderate him. That, like, that isn't her job. What her job is, I don't know. I don't know what it is. Therefore, it's really hard to have her in this category. I know it's hard to say— 
whether she's good or bad at her job when we don't know what her job is. It's also However, still stunning that she has a job at all. Like, let's just pause to say, like, it is incredible that both she and her husband work in the White House. It's <sighs> insane. A year ago, we were freaking out about the idea, and now she has a government job. Also, like, she, ex- she just yeah. should not. She should not. She accepted the job with no job description. So she was like, yes, I have a lot of priorities. I care about the environment. I care about women. I care about women in the workplace. I care about blah, blah, Mm -hmm. blah. And then as she has, like, successively failed in each of these callings, she has, like, narrowed, publicly narrowed what we're allowed to know about her job description. Setting aside the fact that there's no job description, there is sort of, like, a general way you're supposed to conduct yourself while working for the White House, and she's failed at that. So I think we can, like, criticize her for that. Like, for example, you're not supposed to use— here we go. It's the word. Emails. You're not supposed to, like, I don't know, like, use a private email server. I think that we've heard from that a little bit from the Republicans. Yeah, that was a controversy, wasn't it? Yeah, but she did that. <laughs> I don't know. Familiar. Her emails. <laughs> I don't know who the her is in that chant. I'm assuming it was Ivanka because that was something Ivanka did. She has this whole thing where she wants to, like, help working moms. You know, before she got in the White House, she had this initiative Women Who Work, which continues to be a hilarious name to me, Women Who Work, like like most women work, but okay. I guess to Ivanka, it's sort of like, look at me doing my business. I'm business. I am a woman who does business, <laughs> which she, by the way, has continued to do while in the White House. They're like opening new Ivanka Trump stores, one in Trump Tower, but she's handed off control of the Ivanka Trump company. Yeah, so okay. Now it's fine. Yeah, I guess she has. Sure. It's all great. It's fine. Um, but yeah, she's terrible at, at her job. Childcare was supposed to be her big thing. And then Democrats were the ones who actually came up with the bill. And all of the things that, like, when she's, like, been consistently saying that it's not fair to judge her on all of the, like, malicious and terrible things that her father's administration is doing, the things that she has asked to be judged on, she said, I want to be judged on the things that I came to Washington to do. And to, like, what Kelly is saying, she came to, like, quote, help working women, which is, like, an entirely useless category as the way that it's framed by Ivanka Trump. But, like, we're looking at a tax bill that Ivanka fucking pushed hard for because her and Marco Rubio and Mike Lee were going to like expand the child tax credit, which is just like breadcrumbs to working families because if you're poor in this country, like you can't even claim most of it. So it's not actually her like helping the people who are hurting and now most. that healthcare premiums are going to go up, it's going to yeah. like... So she pushed hard for a bill that is going to be devastating in a way that I think is going to be experienced generationally for like working families. So let's judge her on that. And she's a fucking monster. <laughs> she she gave this incredible quote like two months ago that was like, for me, this tax plan really couples two things that are really core values as a country, which is work and supporting the American family. Simplification <laughs> really does democratize the tax code. That's mm-hmm. a nice little throwback Thursday Ivanka moment. The next one is, you can introduce them. I feel like I it wouldn't be uh, fair to leave Democrats out of all of this because they have shown themselves to be so fully incompetent and incapable of meeting the crisis that we're in right now. So as Republicans in Congress have shown themselves to be like sort of just like psychotically focused on giving more money to wealthy people and taking more like material supports from poor people, 
Democrats just have done nothing except say things like capitalism 2.0 or I wish we could have compromised more on that tax bill that's burning down your house. Like lots of liberals and progressive people are like screaming instructions at them and they're like hearing them through like a swimming pool. So they're like trying to like figure out what words we're saying and they like hear the (laughs) word like capitalism and they're like, oh yeah, that. Or they hear the word like Twitter. So they like, they're like, oh yeah, Twitter. And they like don't (laughs) understand what they're supposed to be saying. Yeah, it's basically like the country is being like, help, the Trump administration is engaged in like a racist effort to expel like all immigrants from the country. And then Democrats are like, man, you know, we're just looking for opportunities to compromise with this party, but they really (laughs) won't work with us. Yeah. (laughs) Um, And things like that just over and over and over again. Oh, and then also being like, you know what? We need to make more room in our party for people who like are like ideologically opposed to women's basic reproductive rights, because that's like the direction that our party needs to go in at this particular moment. I almost forgot. (laughs) I know it can be easy to lose sight of some of these things because there's just so much bad shit. And like, what is the word? Unforced errors. Let's get like real, like, you know, Sunday roundtable about this. But like, they don't have to do any of this shit. They say stupid shit all the time that they don't have to say. Yeah. They're bad at a lot of this, right? And if they're supposed to be our great hope of like getting out of what is like, no doubt, a very terrifying national moment of crisis, like, I'm not feeling super optimistic about our odds. Oof. Next category is treason. This will cheer us right up. This will cheer us up. We have to go through them so quickly. Okay. The first person. Well, I have an entry and it's, uh, sorry, Jared Kushner. I can't, I can't get away from Ivanka and Jared. This one, you know, he's done a lot of shit. The most recent thing is that it appears that um, he is the very senior, the quote, very senior member of the Trump administration who um, was in contact with Sergei Kislyak in that pre-Christmas contact last year. This came out over the weekend. Jared Kushner has done a lot of terrible shit. Uh, This is the most recent and the worst thing that he's done. Good job, Jared. Congratulations on your honor in this category. And then the other two people in this category are Paul Manafort, the former campaign chief who has Almost been, forgot about him. I definitely forgot about him. I don't even remember all like the various steps of the Manafort saga. If you guys do, please yeah. say that. I remember his so, house getting raided. Right. So Paul yeah. Manafort. I mean, he is arrested and charged. Um, tax uh, fraud and money laundering. This, 12 counts of conspiracy to launder money, conspiracy against the United States, and failing to register as a foreign agent of the former government of Ukraine, which was pro-Russia. But this is just one piece of Manafort's long history of working as a paid advocate for, like, whatever government will have him, including some of, like, the worst regimes on earth. Like, not just regimes that are, like, counter to American interests, whatever that means, but, like, some of the worst places on earth, some of the worst people with the worst human rights abuses on the planet. And he was happy to represent anyone who paid him? So beyond just treason, also just being a real fucking demon from hell, Paul Manafort. And Michael Flynn. He's kind of like, I mean, Manafort is very public, but Michael Flynn is like the current public. Face of treason. He's the face of treason. <laughs> the fresh new face of treason. Michael <laughs> Flynn. What am I trying to say? Oh, yeah, man. he is the fresh new face of treason. Okay, next one is Gone But Not Forgotten. Good category. First one, Sean Spicer, our beloved press secretary of yore. Um, who, who, he 
lied about things that Donald Trump said. He defended that he defended the lies that Donald Trump did say. He was a fucking idiot. He pronounced every <laughs> word wrong. He turned he was, orange like, by all the, the day. Time. He was constantly drunk. His uh, the circles about <laughs> his eyes were ever darkening. Um, and then he left after Anthony Scaramucci showed up. He also oh. called concentration camps Holocaust centers. I'm give you the opportunity to clarify something you said that seems to be Thank gaining you. some traction right now. Uh, quote, Hitler didn't even sink to the level of using chemical weapons. What did you mean by that? I, I think when you come to sarin gas, uh, there was no, he was not using the gas on his own people the same way that a shot is doing. I mean, there was clearly, I, I, I understand your point. Thank you. I, uh, thank you. I appreciate that. There was not in the, in the, he brought him into the, to, um, to the Holocaust Center. I understand that. He, like, defended Hitler, and then he was like, oops, I didn't mean to defend Hitler. It was incredible. Meanwhile, he was, like, Instagramming the wine menu at the airport. Oh, and then ultimately he had his redemption where he showed up at the Emmys. He made some jokes <sighs> about lying. He made some jokes about lying to the American public. <laughs> and then he, James Corden kissed him on the face, and now he works at Harvard. Yeah, Harvard He's was really, like, like an here. amazing trajectory for, like, a mediocre white guy. It feels like 10 years ago that he lied about the size of the crowds at inauguration. Doesn't that seem quaint now? It was 11 months ago. This was the largest audience to ever witness an inauguration, period, both in person and around the globe. And then the other gone but not forgotten is Anthony Scaramucci, who was for like one second press secretary or director of communication. What was he? Yeah, one uh, yeah. Of communications. Yeah. It doesn't Mooch. matter. It doesn't <laughs> he matter. left after 11 days, was <laughs> with Donald Trump while his wife was giving birth, was going to get divorced from his wife. Now he started the Scaramucci Post. He's back together with his wife. He's thriving on Twitter. Congrats it's to both like of these. 12 he minutes. is 5'7", according to the state of New York, oh, as yeah. opposed to what he says he is, which is 5'8". Katie did a very good Splinter exclusive. Splinter exclusive. <laughs> okay, next one. Not is, that there's anything wrong with that. Also, I just think that it's right. You should just say your height. I'm 5'6". Yeah. I'm 5'2", baby. I don't even care. <laughs> Our next category is forgotten but not gone. The first one is Kellyanne Conway, who, if you can believe, this was in January, 11 months ago, that she invented the term alternative facts while she was on TV with Chuck Todd. Don't be so overly dramatic about it, Chuck. What it, it, You're saying it's a falsehood, and they're giving Sean Spicer, our press secretary, gave alternative facts to that. But the point remains that there's— That was 11 months ago. Since then, she's done a lot of stuff. She's continued to lie. She dressed up in a weird orange thing for Halloween. She's <laughs> now in charge of the opioid epidemic, which I don't know if you guys have heard hasn't gotten better. If anything, worse. Weren't she, we going to fix that with some, like, ads? Wasn't that the big idea? Like, yes, don't, yeah. do, don't yeah. do drugs. Don't do drugs. I could not with don't a gun drugs, to my head kids. tell you what Kellyanne's original job was supposed to be, <laughs> like, versus what She's she does now. She's supposed to be one of the important people who sit in the Oval Office. I have no idea. Like, an advisor? On, yeah. her, on her knees on the couch with her feet oh touching the couch. Remember that? Yeah, I got all mad under. about that. She also invented the bowling. I'm not mad about that, for the record. I don't care about that. <laughs> She also invented the, the Bowling Green Massacre. I bet there was very little coverage. I bet I bet it's brand new information to people that President Obama had a six-month ban on the Iraqi refugee program after two Iraqis came here to this country, mm. were radicalized, and there were the master, masterminds behind the Bowling Green Massacre. Well, most the, people don't know that because it didn't get covered. Oh, my God, I forgot about the Right, Bowling that's fun. She also violated maybe, maybe. She also maybe violated a federal law by telling people to buy Ivanka's clothing. 
she's remember when she wore to inauguration? Yeah, yeah she wore that um drum majorette, that, that, yeah, that majorette suit, tin soldier, Doing cosplay look. or something. Um, <laughs> but you might think she's gone. She's not. She's working on the opioid epidemic, as I said. Isn't her title like now like opioid czar? I, th- yeah, I, I saw that she was opioid And she sort of appears Zarette. and disappears from the television, like, based on whether she's, like, in or out of Trump's good graces. Like, right. there's some weird, mysterious shit going on behind the scenes. It's but, like, like she just walks into <laughs> the set of various, like, meet the press. And it's right. just like, oh, I'm on meet the press. Right. Like, why? Why are you? Why? Why okay. in the world? Okay, and our last forgotten but not gone. Oh, can you guys guess this one? You can guess it. You've forgotten about him. His name is Mike Pence. Mike oh, Pence. Yeah, still around. I, it's like we've forgotten about him, but he's still there. He um, still biding calls his, his mother. He's, yeah, biding his yeah. time, as you say. In mother's arms. Uh, <laughs> um, not meeting with any women. Yeah, it's crazy that he's managed to be vice president and never once meet alone with a woman. It's amazing, except that there aren't that many women in the Trump White know, House, so it's not, not too hard. Really looking forward to President Pence in a few, what do we think, a couple months, a couple years. Um, we'll see. We'll be burying our fetal remains. And um, I'm guessing drinking heavily. I don't know. RIP LGBTQ rights. Yeah. <laughs> oh. yeah. Okay. Our last category, which I shoved in at the end, is just dicks. Like, so biggest dicks, dicks of the year. And it's Anthony Weiner. Um, I do think we were like, should we include him? Should we not? But I do think we should include him because, number one, He's currently in jail for sexting with a teen. Number two, he didn't lose the election for Democrats, but, like, he kind of did. (laughs) He kind of did. He kind of did, yeah. Yeah. Also, it's crazy. I was saying to Joanna this morning that it's crazy that we're considering dropping a man who is in jail for sexting with a teen from our list of biggest dicks of the year. Yeah. That's the world we live in. I hate it. I mean, he's not even (laughs) running for Congress, but, like, he easily could on on a Republican ticket and win Mm -hmm. from jail. I mean, Roy Moore— just like the wealth of dicks from this year that like even Roy Moore not I don't think he was even on our list but yeah oh yeah Roy yeah. Moore wasn't even on the list because uh, he's not even in office yet but I like know. he will be shortly just like a presence on the dick scene Ugh. and this is like this is just politics dicks this is without yeah, even touching on even... any of the other dicks in other areas the of literal public dicks. life the literal dicks everywhere just out in front of people who didn't want to see them shout out okay. Louis C.K. Yeah. <laughs> okay. So, guys, we're going to do a three-minute cage match. We all need to bring someone who we think deserves to be Dick of 2017. Picture that Dick in a little crown <laughs> made of dicks. Okay. <laughs> the three minutes start. Are we ready? Yeah. It starts yes. now. Okay. I will bring to the table. I do think. I mean, I I think some of you might agree with me. I do think that Ivanka is dick of the year. I completely agree, Joanne. I was going to bring the same dick. Yeah. I mean, there are so many people that deserve it. It's just trying, I think, like a real— I mean, there's so many people that have passed worse policies that have done worse for America. But I do think there's kind of like um a, like a special sauce of like— Masquerading, dick sauce masquerading as like good for the people, masquerading as completely blameless, like— I'm beautiful. I represent fashion. I don't even care about politics and then being, like, so, so sinister. Totally. And she, like, has totally co-opted, like, empowerment, feminism to use it to sell shoes and to bankrupt the American people. 
I I'm gonna disagree. I I dislike Ivanka, but I am gonna put Steve Bannon as my as Steve my Bannon, we great choice. About. We didn't even talk about Steve Bannon. Last now minute here's the thing. Yeah. <laughs> Steve Bannon is he might win it all. He might. He is yeah. the actual architect of all of Trump's policies. Even though he has left the White House, Trump talks to him, according to reports, every couple days from his personal cell phone. Uh, Bannon is. Specifically, the architect of the idea that we want to destroy the state, that we want to destroy the administrative state by putting people in charge of federal agencies who don't believe in the existence of those federal agencies. So everything that we're seeing, like people like Betsy DeVos running agencies that they don't believe in, is a Bannon concept. Besides the fact that he is what he would call an economic nationalist, which is just... What's that book he loves? The March of the Saints? God knows. I mean, he's a racist. Steve Bannon, yeah, Steve Bannon has found so many creative ways to couch and hide his racism, his xenophobia, his sort of bizarre isolationist policies, but he's just, he's just a racist. Like, that's all. But what he has done is given all of these people so many more vocab words to describe their racism. So I, I don't know. I think it's Steve Bannon. I'm going to throw in uh, Mitch McConnell, who I think has been like a slow burn dick for many, many years. (laughs) And if we I know that we're focusing on 2017, but I think that it would be impossible to talk about Mitch McConnell's dickness without talking about what he did in the Senate during the Obama presidency, the level of obstruction that basically created all of the federal judgeship vacancies that are now being filled at such a rapid clip by the Trump administration. That's a McConnell joint, my friends. I think that everything that has (laughs) happened since in this Congress, the, the sort of like shady, sinister, undemocratic mechanisms of the Senate, like the hell pit that we live in right now, policy-wise, is like a gift of Mitch McConnell, who is a cynical, power-hungry, like deeply, deeply immoral man who I think has brought us to this moment and in some ways helped give us Trump in the first place. And so I humbly submit Mitch McConnell. Oh my God, that's the timer. <laughs> I saw the timer. I saw the timer clicking down and I was like, Katie, you got this, you got this, you got this. Uh-huh. That was great. I think we've really hit on something here. These are like three separate pillars of dickishness that have brought us to the end of 17 as we see it now. They are, like they, they really all? support each other. I feel like the, the clean Ivanka version of evil and the Steve Bannon just like ripping everything to shreds mixed with this sort of like upstanding work within the system McConnell version like these all really are feeding off of each other in the most beautifully symbiotic way I wish the Democrats could figure out how to do the same thing (laughs) if I may I have a potential solution here okay okay Okay. I just saw that movie Justice League sick with Batman in it (laughs) the I forget most of it but what the bad guy is trying to do is find these three boxes that he has to put together and then they literally turn earth into hell because he's like from hell or something and loves hell. Oh my God. I recommend that as a potential way to bridge our our dicks is that they're like the hell boxes from Justice League. Wow. And it's only together that they turn our earth into the hell that the guy with the goat horns loves this is, in Justice I'm League. I'm stunned by the logic of that and That's how well great. it holds up. Yeah, it's like brilliant. Okay. Oh. We have to present it at an academic conference. (laughs) The Hellbox Political Theory. (laughs) Yes. That's great. Cool. Good job, everybody. (laughs) Well, I'm glad we solved that.
Now it's time for our last of the year, how to handle the dicks. Um, Kelly had the idea of doing, instead of how we're handling the dicks, how we plan to handle the dicks in 2018. So what hobbies are we going to take up? What like shields are we going to build into our bodies? I don't know, things like that. Guys, what do you plan on doing? I think I'm gonna get a really nice pair of shoes. Because, 2018. Yeah, that's how I'm going <laughs> to handle the dicks because not yet, <laughs> because I feel like when you take care of your feet, you take care of yourself. And that's just like the first step. <laughs> I agree. <laughs> that's my answer. Mm. What about you guys? Uh, I am. My only goal for 2018 is to not look at Twitter right before bed. I have developed crippling insomnia this year. And I think part of it is holding a phone two inches from my face and looking at just a cascade of the worst shit on earth and people who raise my blood pressure right before bed. So really the only goal I have is to start sleeping again. And the only way that I can do that is to tune out the dicks right before bed. It's it's literally the only thing. And I know that I'm going to fail, but I'm still setting it as a goal for myself. Um, I, uh, in 2017 and something that I'm going to continue to do into 2018 was taking, um, Twitter off of my phone and Instagram off of my phone. Fuck yes. Uh, and I know that that's like a very small little thing, but the way in which you, uh, stop picking up your phone and looking at it like in a weird way changes pretty quickly because you're like, oh, there's nothing there for me. I bet you're going to like... You're going to write, like, a long book. No, I mean, like, like eight hundred pages. Just because you won't have anything to do, you'll be like, <laughs> It hasn't okay. changed my productivity or made me that much smarter or any smarter. <laughs> but uh, it definitely has, like, made the the sort of, like, burning feeling in my chest at night um, 30% better. That's, That's great. Oh, That's amazing. a huge difference. I, yeah. yeah, I feel I want to do that. I think my thing is that um, my house, like, how it looks inside has really um, kind of gotten, like, messy and not very comfortable, and I would like to make my home someplace I'd like to be. Mm. And so, like, I'm right now I'm just really working on making my bedroom, like, um, an, I don't know if I would say a sanctuary, but it's what I feel, and making everything, like, just so. So I feel like Everything outside my house is bad, but like my house. You know, I did that in 2017. That was how I handled the dicks this year, and it was actually kind of worked. I plan on having it work for me too. Okay, thank you so much for listening to Big Time Dicks this year. We have had 11 months of episodes, which feels disgusting. We are going to take a hiatus. We want to thank Prachi Gupta, our co-host, who has not been here for the past couple weeks, but we miss her and love her, and she will be back in January. This show is produced by Levi Sharp. Mandana Mofidi is our executive director of audio. We featured music by Stuart Wood and Aaron Leader, and the episode was mixed by Jamie Colazzo. Please rate and review us on Apple Podcasts so other people can find the show. You can also find us on Panoply, NPR One, or wherever you get your podcasts. Got a big time dick you want to tell us about? Send a voice note or email to bigtimedicks at jezebel.com or tweet at Jezebel using the hashtag bigtimedicks. We only once called you guys dickheads, but I really think it should have stuck. Um, thank you for listening to the this long episode and all year. <laughs> See you next year, dickheads. 